0: Welcome to the Victory Family Worship Center podcast. If you have any questions, you can email us at thevictory.tv at gmail.com. Amen. How many of you like a good war movie? Raise your hands. Who likes a good war movie? Man, I love good war movies. Um, um, you know, movies like, um, I'll just name a few, Saving Private Ryan, you know, that's a good one. Uh, Black Hawk Down, who liked that one? That's a based on a real life story. Most of these are. Um, Patton, who likes, who's, who's seen Patton? Anybody out there? Um, what about Gladiator and Braveheart? Maybe, some of you, yeah. Um, what about Last of Mohicans? That's a good war movie. That's Indians and... Um, Great movies, I grew up watching movies with my dad, you know, when I was little, and then whenever, I, you know, then I've always watched more movies, Um, I I just think they're a little sentimental for me, but I don't know, maybe it's that deep male fighter DNA, you know, just, you know, good triumphs, evil, I I just like it, I like a good war movie, Uh, um, I love the idea of sacrificing for the greater good, Amen? I just like that. And um, I love those scenes. Watch how many of you really saw Saving Private Ryan? So you're going to be familiar with this scene uh, where they, they charge up into the machine gun nest and they, they get to the top and, and, and they, they're, they're meeting their enemy face to face. And then they all put their guns down and they get pillows out and they have a pillow fight. Did y'all see that scene? Or, how about that scene in Gladiator when the chariots come rushing in and, and they, they just all come together and they just get out and they have a pillow fight and they all laugh and they tell jokes and they have a. Y'all didn't see that scene either? I've never watched a war movie where soldiers charged into battle in their underwear. Have y'all seen that? Y'all seen a movie like that? They charged into battle with their underwear. That's never happened either because you would get slaughtered if you charged into battle with just only your underwear on and the ideal of the soldier is they were equipped for battle they had armor, they have weapons, even modern day military, they have armor, they have weapons. They have a plan to go out and meet their enemy in battle and they're going to come out victorious. That's their idea, their, their mindset, they're going to come out victorious. And the big idea for this series is, the truth is, that every single one of us in this room, and if you're watching online, we are in a war. We're in a war. Whether you like it or not, whether you signed up for it or not, whether you know it or not, whether you even want to admit it or not, you are in a war. You're in a spiritual war. At best, every one of us are at least on the receiving end of the war. And I promise you this, every single one of us are getting attacked in some way, shape, or form. You're getting attacked. Your family's getting attacked. Your kids are getting attacked. Your finances are getting attacked. Your your, your infirmities. You're getting attacked in some way, shape, or form. So, the decision that we're making is right here today, we're making this decision who's actually going to put on the armor and get involved in the offense? Who's going to get involved in the offense? I mean, we're, we're so good at being defensive and we just we back up in our corner and we hide in the dark corners and we, we get in the corner of the churches and we stand there and we're just, we just go in defense. Oh dear Lord, please don't let nothing happen to me. But how many of you know, who's, we need to know today, we need to make a decision. Who's actually going to put on the armor and go on the offensive? We've all, we all have an enemy who hates us. But the good news is God has not left you defenseless. God has given you an armor. God has given you weapons. Not just to fight with, but he's given you weapons so that you can actually win this war. We can actually win this thing. The problem is, is most Christians leave their armor at home every single day. Most Christians get up every single day and they go fight a spiritual war in their underwear. That's what, that's, what, that's what the modern Christian looks like. They go fight a spiritual war in their underwear and they get their tail whipped and they get sent back home by the devil. And we wonder why we're getting beat up. We wonder why. Why am I losing? Why am I getting slapped around? Why are these things happening to me? Why does it feel like life is kicking me in the teeth? Why does it always feel like I'm on the receiving end of this war? But it doesn't have to be like that. There is a way to live stronger. There is a way to be stronger spiritually. There is a way to think stronger. There is a way to fight stronger. There are some people in this room today who know how to fight. I've seen you fight. You know how to be strong. Uh, You've gone through it. You've been through the valley. Uh, um, You've came out on the other side victorious. You've been there. You've got battle scars to prove it. And, And you could actually stand up right now and you could encourage everybody else if I were to call you out and you could say, guys, be strong. Fight the good fight. Don't give up. Don't give up. Stand your ground. There's people in here that can testify to that. Because there's marriage difficulties, there's faith difficulties, there's kid difficulties, there's job difficulties, there's health difficulties, there's difficulties in life. And if we're going to make it, we're going to have to learn how to live strong, fight strong, and stronger than what we're doing right now. The Apostle Paul, the, guy, the this guy wrote Most of the latter half of the Bible in the New Testament, Paul was a guy who knew how to be strong. This guy, Paul, is the same guy who who says, I've been beaten within an inch of my life. I've been left for dead multiple times just because I follow Jesus. He said, I've been falsely imprisoned. I've been I've been uh, shipwrecked adrift at sea. I've been cold. I've been in the dark. I've been hungry. I've been thirsty. I've been on day. I've seen danger on every side of the earth. And and the guy Paul, this guy Paul, he writes a letter to the church. uh, The church. The place is called Ephesus, and and, um, this is what we know as modern day Turkey. If you're wondering where this is at, this town that he's it's modern day Turkey. So this is this is the book of Ephesians, the church, the Ephesians, the Church of Ephesians, modern day Turkey. And the entire book of Ephesians is how to be strong. The the entire book of Ephesians teaches us how to be strong spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically. Because these guys were, these guys, these apostles, these disciples, they're getting beat up, man. They're suffering intense persecution, and Paul says, "Be strong, be strong, be strong." Everybody say, "Be strong." Y'all do have a pulse this morning. Paul writes this letter in Ephesians six ten. If you got your Bibles, turn there. We've been this is the third week we've been in Ephesians chapter six, and we're going to be in there for a while. Paul says a final word, or finally, my brethren, whatever interpretation you have, be strong in the Lord. And in his mighty power. Okay, these are the last words of Paul. Paul's going to be, he's going to be beheaded not, not long after these words. So Paul's trying to get us to understand that, hey, we're in a war. It's not a physical war, it's a spiritual war. And the truth is, is if we don't fight this war with God's mighty power, we're going to lose. Even modern day, right now, if we don't fight this war, this spiritual war that's going on right now, we're going to lose. Christians are going to lose. We're going to lose ground. They're, you know They're coming after the churches. They're coming after Christianity. They're, they want to shut it down. And if you're going to live uh, the Christian life in, in your own power, you're going to get defeated. That's just the fact of the matter. You can't be a Christian in this modern day culture and do it in your own power. You're going to have to have God's power. We have something bigger that we can tap into, but we have to actually fight God's way and we have to know that we are more than conquerors. We have to get that in our mentality. So Paul says, put on the whole armor of God that you can stand against the wiles of the devil. We've talked about that the last two or three weeks. The enemy has a strategy against you. Wilds, those are plans, strategy. Uh, principalities have strategies against you. They strategize against you. They plot and scheme on how to attack you and your family. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, and against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. This is spiritual warfare 101. You can kill the enemy soldiers all you want. You can you can take you, you can you can you can take out all the enemy soldiers you want. But until you take out the spirit that's driving the enemy soldiers, you'll never have peace. I'm going to explain that, and it'll make more sense as we go on. It, it's um, it's kind of like. You know, I, believe, I believe that behind every physical, invisible fruit, there is a spiritual root. It's kind of like, you know, we spend most of our life trying to deal with the physical. But we have to deal with the fruit. It's kind of like tr- killing, trying to kill an apple tree by taking all the apples off of it. How many of you know the apples are just going to come right back? You have to get to the root of the tree. You have to take the tree out by the roots. And that's why most of our battles seem like they're going in circles. Our financial battles, our, spirit, our marriage battles, our relationship battles, our health battles. It's because there is a spirit behind those battles. And we have to understand that. And we have to figure out what that spirit is behind these forces. And we have to take these forces out by the spirit. That's why Paul says we, have, we, we got to get to the spirit. We got to get to the root. So in other words, your boss at work, that's not your enemy. You may despise him and you may want to reach out and choke him every day, but that's not your enemy. Your spouse, you keep fighting and you keep having all these fights and it seems like you just got every day you're waking up and you're fighting about something. Your spouse is not your enemy. Your family, you're having family disputes, there's family division, uh, brothers and sisters, peers, whatever it is. Your family members, they're not your enemy. Your cousin Eddie, he's not your enemy. (laughs) But you do have an enemy and his name is Satan. And Satan uses people. He comes and he he looks for these avenues. He looks for these ways that he can get behind that boss. He can get behind that spouse to do something to agitate you, to do something to bring division. There's a spirit behind every force. And it's time for us to actually start fighting the real enemy. The devil is the real enemy. If you're having marriage problems... The solution is not to yell at each other. The solution is for really for the really the real solution is for you to both to get down on your knees and pray and fight the enemy the real way. The devil who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. How do you fight the enemy on his turf? That's the main series of this. That's the main theme of this series. That's what we're talking about. Where I'm trying to teach you how to fight the enemy on his turf. Paul says, "Take up the whole armor of God." That you may be able to withstand the evil, withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Everybody say, stand. So, the way you know, listen to this, this is key right here. The way you know whether or not you will be standing on the other side of the attack is if you are wearing the armor during the attack. The way you can find out if you're going to be standing on the other side of Satan's attacks is whether or not you're wearing the armor during the attack. If I'm going to be standing on the other side of the attack, when he attacks and he's going to attack, I have to be wearing my armor during the attack. And guess what? You don't know when the attack's coming. So you need to be wearing the armor at all times, because the enemy's not an idiot. He has wiles wiles are strategies, they're plans have you ever been praying and you're just praying and, and, and all of a sudden the devil shows up in your prayers and he's like hey guys I just want to let you know I'm going to attack your family next week and you got about four days to fast and pray and then memorize some scriptures and get the family prayed up real good because this attack's going to be really really be bad okay, ready or not here I come, three two, one, one and a half, one and three quarters, What? here I come, I'm coming, has the enemy ever done that to you satan doesn't do that satan comes out of nowhere and you're like bam where did that come from why is this happening you get blindsided your family gets wrecked something happens it, i mean he just comes at you why because satan and his principles of darkness are good strategists they have a plan They know when to attack you. They know when you're vulnerable. They know when you're weakest. Satan's going to come at your most vulnerable moment, not when you're wearing your armor. And if you're not wearing your armor, you're going to go down. The way you know whether or not you're going to be standing on the other side of the attack is if you're wearing the armor during the attack. You can't wait till you get mugged in the alley and call a timeout while you're getting mugged and say, hold on, hold on, i got to go get my three black belts. Hold on, hold on, wait. I, listen, I'm going to go get my, my bulletproof vest, I'm going to go get my stuff, and then I'll come back and I'll meet you at the alley right here in exactly one hour. That, that's not happening. You have to be ready in season, out of season, you got to be ready because the attack's going to come. Whether or not you're standing on the other side of the attack depends on whether or not you're wearing the armor during the attack. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth. Let's go on in Ephesians. Having put on the breastplate. So we talked about girding your waist with truth. Talked about that two weeks ago. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So the bad news is, is we're in a war. The good news is, is God has given us the armor. God has given us some weapons to fight with. Like I said, the first week we talk about the belt of truth. The belt in the Roman soldiers was equipment that was basically uh, what held everything in place. All the other pieces of armors. The belt even had a place to hold the sword into place. We'll get to that later. And that's the same, you know, the same thing with us. If we, if we hold on to God's truth our life is going to be held together. If we put on that belt of truth, life is going to be held together for us. But the reality is, listen to me, the reality is, is we got too many Christians strolling their way through life and they got that big old sag hanging down. They got their pants hanging down. They're sagging. They're busting a the sag and they're walking through the loop and they're, they're wearing truth way too loose. did god really say that come on pastor is sin really that big of a deal we just got the pant the sag getting bigger and bigger we got a pants sagging if i had baggy pants i would sag them for you but i i'm doing good trying to fit in them and people just wearing their truth way too loose what's in it for me why should I go to church? What's in it for me? What, what can God do for me? Wearing truth way too loose. We're walking around with pants falling down, and you can't fight when your pants are falling down. I found myself praying for this church this week. God, let us tie on truth really tight so that we'll be a secure people. Let's put another, pull that belt another little notch and get it tighter so we'll be a secure people people the belt of truth then we talked about the breastplate of righteousness the body armor of god's righteousness it's his righteousness so when i put when i put on jesus's way of living and jesus right standing with the father now i'm protected i got some armor on i've got some confidence and the whole ideal of armor is to give you a second chance How many of you screwed up this week? You don't have to raise your hands. But, you know, when we have a righteousness, we have that breastplate of righteousness. That's a second chance when you repent and you go before God and you bring that place where you screwed up, whatever you did. You bring that to God and put it under the blood of Jesus Christ. You have that blessed breastplate of righteousness and that gives you a second chance. You're you're not made right standing because your works. It's because of his righteousness. That's the idea of righteousness. I still have right standing with the Father even when I sin. Because it's not my righteousness, it's His. The Bible says my righteousness, my righteousness, my works is as filthy as rags. I won't even go into what He's talking about there. But if I wear His righteousness, I'm protected in this life. And so today we're putting on the shoes of peace. Everybody got shoes on. Look down and make sure you got your shoes on. I know that shoes of peace doesn't sound really cool. It's not like the helmet or breastplate or a shield or sort. You're like shoes of peace. That's not really cool, you know. The, it, shoes don't get no respect, right? Unless you're a shoe collector. <laughs> But if you know anything about military or maybe you've watched old military movies and old old movies and stuff, uh, you know, so- soldiers if you know anything about soldiers, they prioritize two things. Two things that soldiers prioritize. They're told to prioritize and take care of their weapon, at all means don't let anything happen to your weapon, and the other one is take care of your feet. That's the that's the two rules when you're out in the field. The soldier who carries The soldier is who carries the weapon, but the feet is what carries the soldier. I'm going to say that again because that's going to to stick in the back of your mind for the rest of this sermon. The soldier is who carries the weapon, but the feet is what carries the soldier. You can be the best marksman in the world. You can be the best shot and the best aim in the world. But if you can't get to your shooting position, if you can't get to where, a place where you can take out the enemy, you're basically of no use. If your feet are no good, the soldier's no good. That's why in the Roman army in the first century, in the context of Ephesians 6, they prioritized coming up with a good combat boot for the soldiers to wear. They came up what was called with a caligae. It's a shoe called the Caligay, and it's a soldier's fighting sandal. They didn't have boots yet. They had sandals, okay? So roll with this. Um, it's This sandal, it was designed basically to get them from point A to point B. They knew that if soldiers were going to be any good by the time they got to where they were going to fight the enemy, they were going to have to prioritize a shoe that would get them from point A to point B. They had to be able to fight when they got there. So they had to take care of their feet. Their feet have to be okay. You cannot fight when your feet are busted up. This is going to make a whole lot of sense to you here in a minute. So they came up with this combat sandal. And this is really, what it had was, it had this really tough, multi-layer exterior leather. And that really tough exterior got them from point A to point B, and, and and they were so they would still be able to fight when they got there. And so the shoe had to get them from point A to point B. And then the other question was, how are we going to be able to fight in um in certain territory? So the shoe was really tough on the outside, but inside it was very soft, very soft leather. So it would it was very appealing to the feet, and so. Once they got from point A to point B, the next question is, how are we going to be able to fight in uncertain territory? Remember, this is not a defensive army. They didn't just sit back and say, oh, we're going to protect ourselves. Oh, look at us. We're just going to stay right here in our camp. Hopefully they won't come get. No, they were an offensive army. They, went, they were going to find you out. They were going to go seek you out. They were going to hunt you down. They are going to go find you. And so these soldiers were not always fighting on their home turf. They were fighting the enemy on their turf, and so sometimes the terrain was rocky. Sometimes the terrain was muddy, and they had lots of mud. Sometimes there was an incline. Sometimes there was a decline, and all kinds of different terrains, and so the point is if you're a soldier and you're in sword-to-sword combat, it's imperative that you have sure footing. It's It's imperative that your feet will hold you up. It's imperative that you're able to stand your ground. If the enemy comes rushing at you and, 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 you, and you fall down on your backside, you, your feet slip out from under you, uh, that's the last mistake you would ever have. Matter of fact, that's the last mistake you'll ever make. It's game over after that. If you fall on your back in a sword battle, it's game over right there. Lights out. So they would actually take these sandals and they would put iron nails on through the bottoms of them and, and they would, through the bottoms of the shoe and they would, they would have a, so they would put all these, think of a, a like baseball spikes and they would drive those nails through the soles of the feet and so the spikes would stick out, they were actual metal spikes in the bottom of the shoe and the spikes would hold the soldier firmly. It didn't matter what terrain he was, it didn't matter if he was on muddy ground, or rocky ground, incline, decline, it didn't matter. He would stick those feet in the ground with those spikes, however long they were, and he would stand his ground. The last thing the soldier wanted was to be on America's Funniest Video, you know, when they have those, those clips where all the ice fails, you know what I'm talking about? Everybody slipping on the ice. I love that clip. I love that where everybody just, they're walking along and they hit the ice and boom, they bust, you know. They bust their backside, entire segment. And and so um, that's, they didn't want to do that. They didn't want to slip. They didn't want to slip on the gravel. They wanted their feet prepared to walk on the ground uh, that they were on. And so that is the way it is in life that's the way it is in your life right now the ground of life is not friendly to you there's divorce out there there's death of a loved one there's getting stabbed in the back by friends and workers or whatever there's getting offended there's health problems there's financial problems We could look inside of some of the hearts that are here today and and some of the lives that are here and some of the minds, some of your minds that are here today, uh, people, and, and, and you would look like this. You're getting pushed all over the place. You're uncertain. You're unstable. Because of these circumstances coming against you, the enemy's knocking you on your backside. He's knocking you back again and again. Every time you stand up, you get pushed back again by something else. And just when you got this thing taken care of, the devil comes at you and pushes you back again. Now it's your finances. And then you get you, you take care of your finances, and then you get pushed back again. Now it's health problems. And now you got health problems, and now you get pushed back again. Now it's a loved one. You're in a fight with some somebody else. You're something There's something always going on, and you're getting pushed back, and you're just getting pushed around because you don't have any sandals on. You don't have your shoes of peace on to stand your ground. And God is saying to us today, if you're ever going to make it in the long march of life, if you're ever going to make it and be able to stand your ground when the enemy comes rushing at you, you're going to have to prioritize putting on the shoes of peace. Everybody say peace. Now peace, just saying peace isn't good enough. Peace. Sounds good. Peace is something that everybody's looking for but nobody's finding Because you can't find peace in the world. You'll never find peace in the world. You'll find happiness, but happiness is based on happenings. Whatever's happening right now, if that makes you happy, then you're happy. But if it don't make you happy, you're not happy. You can never find peace in the world. People people will pay big money for peace. People are doing yoga every single day to try to find peace. People are going on extravagant vacations to try to find peace. That's everybody's idea of peace, right? A lot of people spell peace, M-O-N-E-Y. But how much money do you have to have before you have peace? The suicide rate is just as high with people who have a lot of money as those who don't have, who have less money. The suicide rates are the same. If you're single, a lot of times you think, if I could just get married, I would have peace. And then you get married and you're like if I was just single, I would have peace. People run to alcohol for peace. People run to drugs for peace. People run to sex, sexual immorality in all forms, trying to find peace. Whatever it is, you label it, they're trying people are trying to find peace. And here's the bottom line. The world can can offer you all the pill-popping peace that you can find. The world can offer you all the porn site peace that you want. It can offer you all the paycheck peace that you want. But the world can't offer you real, perpetual, powerful peace that only comes through Jesus Christ. Just a few hours before Jesus was crucified, dead and buried, Jesus makes this statement. Just imagine what's going on through Jesus' mind. Jesus knows what's about to happen. He knows what he's about to go through. He knows it's going to be horrific. Jesus knows the unsettledness of what lies ahead. He knows he's going to the cross to be crucified, and he knows he's going to this is going to be brutal. And Jesus says to his disciples this in John 14, 27. Look at it in your notes or look at it on the screen. Jesus says, I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give, get this, and the peace I give is a gift that the world cannot give. give. So don't be troubled and don't be afraid. Now what Jesus is saying is that if you're, if you're a Christian in this place, if you call yourself a disciple of Jesus Christ, what Jesus is saying is your default should be peace. Your default should not be worry, fear, and doubt. Your default, if your default is worry, fear, and doubt, you're not wearing the shoes of peace. You're not putting them on. It's not, your de- you're not, it's not your default. It's not that your default is worry and then peace visits you every once in a while and you're like, oh, that's great. <coughs> it's supposed to be the opposite. Your default is peace and then worry visits you every once in a while and then you deal with that worry with spiritual warfare and you nip it in the bud. You take care of that thing. If you're in constant worry and worry and fear and doubt and stuff like that, you're not wearing the shoes of peace. So what is peace? What's the peace that Jesus gives? Peace comes from the Hebrew word shalom. Shalom. It's in your notes. I don't think it's on the overhead, but it's in your notes. It's on your outlines. Um, Here's the definition of shalom. It's a state of ease, safety, no worry, no fear, wholeness, calm, and tranquility of soul despite external turmoil. Oh yeah, there it is. It's up there. How many of you guys want some of that? A state of ease, safety, no worry, no fear, hold, wholeness, and, and calm and tranquility of soul despite external turmoil. How many of you like some of that? Give me a dose of that. Give me a hit of that. Y'all want some of that? I'm going to tell you how to get it. Here it is. Here's the big deal about Shalom. The peace that Jesus gives, understand this, the peace that Jesus gives isn't the absence of conflict. You need to understand that. The peace that Jesus gives, it, it, it's when everything is wrong, you're still right. When everything is chaotic, you're still calm. That's the peace that Jesus gives. A picture of this. Let me give you a, 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 pic, a mental picture of Shalom. The disciples they go out. They're 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 out on the Sea of Galilee. A storm pops up, and they're a, They're they're trying to find Jesus. there's are storm. They're, they're, this this going to wreck them. And they're trying to find Jesus. They can't find Jesus because they know Jesus can fix the storm. So they run down beneath the deck and they find Jesus sleeping. Jesus is not just sleeping. Jesus is sleeping with his head on a pillow and he's got drool coming out of his mouth. That kind of sleep. You know what I'm talking about? Because he's got peace. And they're like, Jesus, what's the deal? And notice what Jesus does not do. Jesus doesn't say, oh, dear Lord, all right, failed, fail-tested, storm, you can go away now because the disciples failed their lesson. That didn't happen. The lesson was this. This is the lesson in that story. It's not that when Jesus is with you that you won't ever have a storm, but when you go through the storm with Jesus, the storm doesn't have you. Jesus does not promise you a life with no storms. Jesus promises to be with you in the storm. Remember the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Rack, Shack, and Benny—that's what I call them. Veggie Tales. if y'all have seen Veggie Tales? Have any of y'all seen VeggieTales? If you haven't seen VeggieTales, go see VeggieTales. Go rent it. You can get on Right Now Media. We have Right Now Media for the church. Um, You go to our app. I I don't know why I need to tell this, but it's a good tool for you guys. It's called Right Now Media. And you can have access to probably over 100,000 Bible studies for children, for adults, and their videos. They're short videos, short video clips. There's VeggieTales on there. There's all kinds of stuff. But if you have access to that, you do, you can go to our church app, and I think it's on there somewhere. Uh, you can access that. Send in your email, and they'll give you a passcode, and then you have a password, and you can get into all that. But Shack, Rack, Shack, and Benny, um, they went to the king. And the king says, through all these circumstances, the king says, Hey, throw them in the fire. Throw these three guys in the fire because they won't bow down and they won't worship the God. They won't worship this big God. And, and, and so, Rakshak and Beni, Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, these three dudes, they got thrown in the fire. And then when they went to go check on these guys, they opened up the furnace doors and there were four people in the fire. It's in your Bible. You can go read about the story. The Son of Man, Jesus Christ, was in the fire with, Ra- with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. See, God promises you fires, and God promises you storms, but Jesus says, I will never leave you in the fire, and I will never forsake you in the storm. There can be fire all around you. There can be external turmoil all around you, but just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you're going to walk out, and you're not even going to smell like smoke. Are y'all getting that today? You can walk out of the fire and you can you won't even smell like smoke. That's how you can have shalom. That's how you can have peace. Because even though everything's falling apart around you, I'm not falling around, falling apart. Because Jesus is with me. I would love to be able to tell you that nothing bad will happen, ever happen to you in life, but we're in church and we're not supposed to lie. Bad things are going to happen to you in life. There's going to be bad things that are going to come at you. Tragic things are going to happen. Just expect it. Fear is going to come knocking. Worry is going to come knocking. Something bad's going to happen that's out there. Something's going to happen that's out there, out there in the world. Bad things are going to come try and knock you off course in life. Some things are, you know, some of you are like, well, pastor, you're supposed to have more faith than that you know and no listen the difference is is i'm not afraid to acknowledge that we're in a war i'm not afraid to acknowledge that we're in a war revelations in 21 god says I- i'm going to wipe away every tear away from your eye and and and, and everything wrong is going to be made right he says that in revelations 21 that's going to happen that's in heaven that's not here on earth Here, stuff hurts. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Here, life hurts. Here, life, bad stuff happens. You get dealt blows. The enemy tries to come at you. He tries to come at your family, your finances, your health. And and if we're going to make it, we're going to have to learn how to live stronger spiritually and fight a war and put our feet in and stand our ground. Somebody say amen. Y'all all right out there? So we got to acknowledge the fact that you're in a war. Put on your shoes of peace. Jesus gives peace differently than the world gives peace. The world, watch this, hang with me right here because I'm going to make this point and then I'll be about done. The world offers peace outside in. Jesus gives peace inside out. So the world tries to say, Hey, I'll give you a promotion. Oh, that'll give me some peace. The world tries to say, hey, let's get you some more money. Let's give you a raise. Hey, how about a vacation? And we look to all these things for peace. The world says, hey, go have an affair on your wife. That'll give you some peace, right? That's what the world tries to say. But here's the deal. If you're trying to find peace out there in the world, you're never going to find peace. I can testify to you. You go Listen, I can testify to you this. You can go on a vacation and you're sitting on there on the beach and you've got an umbrella over you and you got one of them little umbrella drinks, you know, whatever that may be. And, and listen, you can be sitting there having the greatest time and you can get on your phone or you can get on your iPad and you can check your email and bam, peace is gone instantly. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You can get a phone call, peace is gone. Vacation's wrecked. Now, I need another vacation. <laughs> because we're waiting on peace to work its way in from the outside. But Jesus doesn't work like that. The peace that give, Jesus gives starts in the deepest part of your soul, the deepest part of your being, and then it works its way from the inside out. So the peace that Jesus gives begins in your heart. Watch this. How many of you know we're made of three parts? The, the, we're made of uh, spirit, soul, and body. Y'all know that? Your spirit's inside of you, your body, and you, you have your, your spirit is you, the spirit of God, the spirit that lives inside of you. Then you have your soul, which is your mind and your intellect and your emotions. And then you got your physical body. Okay? So peace begins in the deepest part of us, in our heart, in our spirit, where our spirit is, because Jesus is peace. And then peace, when it gets rooted inside of your heart and it gets on the inside of you, it begins to transform the way you think. That's your soul. That's your mind. It begins to transform how you look at things, how you look at the world. And and that's your soul. And then peace, then what it does is it begins to transform the way we live. And that's our body. That's our physical body. Peace works its way. Jesus, the peace of God, works itself from the inside to the out it goes in first it gets into your mind i mean into your soul and then it goes into your it gets into your spirit then it goes to your soul and then it goes to your body peace works from the inside out if you're waiting for the government to fix all this stuff in order for you to have peace you're never going to have peace if you're waiting for the boss to start being nice you're never going to have peace If you're waiting on friends to include you in everything and and pamper you and do all that stuff, you're never going to have peace. But if you can find the peace that Jesus gives and you can find peace that he gives inside of you, you'll have peace no matter what's happening around you. That's how Paul was able to have peace while he's in jail. Remember, he's chained to this Roman guard. He's falsely imprisoned. He's shackled to the Roman soldier writing this letter. But inside of this all Paul has peace. <coughs> because the peace of Jesus works itself from the inside out. Let me give you two different there's two different kinds of peace. Let me give them to you right quick. There's two different kinds of peace. Number one, Jesus gives us the pe- gives us peace with God. Jesus gives us peace with God. It's the peace that when we come, that when we go to the Father through the Son of Jesus Christ, it's the peace that we get at salvation. It's the peace that we're at peace with God. We're no longer running from God. We're running towards God. Uh, Romans 5 and 1 says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith. This is those people who's, who, who's been born again. They say, I, I, I want Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. When we've been made right in God's sight by faith, We have peace with God because what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Have we been Christians too long that this doesn't amaze us anymore? Have we been Christians for so long that this doesn't amaze us anymore? Listen, I was a sinner worthy of wrath My life was on a path of destruction, of death. I wanted to do my own own thing. I didn't care what anybody thought about it. I didn't care what anybody... I didn't give a rip what anybody thought. I didn't care what God thought about it. I was headed to destruction. I was headed to hell. I was outside of salvation. I was filled with guilt and shame. I I cursed God. But do you understand that inside... Of my uttermost depravity, God did not look at me and say, Hey, get your stuff together, and then we'll accept you. God said this: Even while you were in the miry pit of hell, I rescued out of you out of that, and I put you up on the rock of salvation, and I saved you, and Jesus found me at my worst place, and he took my wickedness and he gave me righteousness. Do y'all get that? Are y'all excited about that this morning? And the, the, the records of wrongs against me, they've all been broken and nailed to the cross. So therefore, I stand here today, not as an old person so, so, with some blood sprinkled on me. No way, man. Listen, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But Christ lives inside of me. And that's exciting. I live a life now. I live a life by, you know by, by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. I've been born again. I'm a new person. Anybody here born again? Can y'all testify that? Why don't you give Jesus a clap this morning? Why don't you honor him? I've been adopted into the family of God. God smiles when he thinks about me. God smiles when he thinks about you. I used to be at war with God, and I used to be at peace with sin. And now because of Jesus, I'm at peace with God, and I'm at war with sin. You know what I'm talking about? And and that's the transformation in my life. And when I have peace with God, it changes how I walk, it changes how I talk, it changes how I live, it changes how I think. That's the peace with God. And then the other kind of peace is the peace of God. Write that down if you're taking notes. There's the peace of God. Jesus gives you, he gives us peace with God, and then he gives us the peace of God. How many of you know the gospel? The gospel of Jesus Christ is—it's it, it, not it, its goal is not to just get you into heaven. It's to get heaven inside of you. That's what the gospel is all about. And because you have peace with God, doesn't guarantee that you're going to have peace of the peace of God. Y'all understand that? I'm going a little deeper here for y'all. Let me let me help you. Just because you have peace with God doesn't mean you have the peace of God. You can have salvation and you can be at peace with God, but you, you're still worried and still got anxiety, you still got all these things going on, because you don't have the peace of God. Listen, the peace with God is an eternal sort of peace that I know where I'm going to spend eternity, but the peace of God is a daily peace that I put on every single day in my life. Look what Colossians 3:15 says in the Bible. It says, "Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts." So, I have to let the peace of God come into my life every single day. I have to let it get in. God is the one who gives us the armor, but it's up to us to put it on. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I can have the best bulletproof vest in the world, but if I leave it in my trunk and get shot, it does me no good. But hey, I have the best pull up brew vest. It's in the trunk. You ought to see it. Man, it costs a lot of money. It doesn't matter. If you're not wearing it, you get shot. You have to let the peace of God rule in your hearts. You have to allow peace to do that. Too many Christians leave their shoes at home every single day. Their shoes of peace. They leave it at home. They don't even bother putting it on. Oh, we'll put the belt loof of truth on, and we'll put the breastplate of righteousness. We want that stuff, but we forget all about the shoes of peace because shoes aren't—they're not—they're not cool. And it's the same as a combat soldier leaving their boots in the barracks and walking out barefooted to the battlefield. And they get to the battle line, and they're like, "Dang, I forgot something. I forgot my boots." And here's the truth: You will never walk in confidence if you don't have peace. You'll never walk in confidence. You'll never fight in confidence. You'll never pray with confidence. You'll never pray for somebody in confidence. You'll never you'll never tithe in confidence. you'll never do anything with confidence if you don't have peace. How many of you ever? How many have got kids with Legos? Any grandkids with Legos? Anybody got those? You ever tried to walk into a dark room and you know there's Legos all over there? You're walking through and it's dark and you're trying to find something. You're like, oh, golly, and you step on that thing. It's a killer, man. It's worse than a goat head. So once you step on one, guess what you do? The next time you go in there, you tiptoe. You don't want to step on nothing. So many Christians walk around like that every day. I don't want to get hurt. I don't want to get hurt. I'm afraid of failing. I'm afraid of falling. Oh, what if I step into that? That's how Christians walk around. We're so afraid of stepping into something that'll hurt us, so we just stand still. We don't go anywhere. We don't have on peace and we can't walk in confidence. But when we put on peace, when we put those shoes on, I don't have to worry about where I'm walking. I can walk anywhere, and I have the confidence that it's going to be all right. I can have that peace, and I can know that everything's going to be all right. I don't, I don't have to worry about those Legos. I don't have to worry about those landmines. I don't have to worry about all the things. When I go to the mountains, I, I go to the mountains. I hunt a lot. I used to hunt a lot. I used to hunt a lot. But when I know I'm going to go to the mountains, and I know I'm going to be doing a lot of walking in rugged terrain, I got certain shoes that I wear. They cost a lot of money. I don't wear them but once two three times a year but I got certain shoes that I wear and shoes that I know that are going to protect my feet and I've been listen I've been into the mountains and I've walked all over for days hunting without the proper shoes and afterwards I regretted it cuz my feet were wore out they had scars they had wounds they were they hurt for days. And if you're not wearing the proper shoes, if you're not wearing peace, the proper peace, you're going to be so worried about getting hurt in life. You're going to, be, you're, you're going to find yourself tiptoeing through life, making excuses instead of just doing what God has called you to do and walking toward it and walking in peace. I'm so afraid. What are they going to think about me? What are they going to say? Some of you are called to ministry. Some of you are called to write books. Some of you are called to start business. What if I'm afraid? What if I fail? What if people don't like it? What if I mess up? But when you got those shoes of peace on, you walk in there and you just walk and you just do it. Because you got peace. So how do we do this? How do we put on peace? Let me show you this point and then we're done. Romans Romans 5.13 let me read this to you. May the God of hope fill you with all the joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May the God of hope fill you with all the joy and peace as you trust in him. Okay? So here it is. Here it is. The more I trust God, the more peace I have. The more I trust God, the more peace I have. So hear me out on this because this is going to make it make it's all going to make sense now. So If God did it then, God will do it now. I don't know how God's going to do it, but I believe God's going to do it. The way that we put on peace is I put on the peace of God by trusting God's promises. This is how you lace up your shoes every single morning so that you can actually walk in confidence. I put on God's peace by trusting God's promises. Think about this. There was another time that the disciples were out on the water in the boat again. And Jesus got left behind. He wasn't on the boat this time. Jesus was doing Jesus stuff. And Jesus said, hey, go on, guys. I'll catch up with you. And in the middle of the night... Jesus got held back a while. In the middle of the night, here comes Jesus. It's dark, it's foggy. Here comes Jesus walking on water. The disciples freaked out. Go read it in your Bible. I don't have time to go there. But the disciples freaked out. And they're like, oh, it's a ghost. That's what they thought. (laughs) And Peter goes on in full Peter mode, full sin Peter mode. And and Peter's like, hey, Jesus, if that's really you, call me to come out on the water. And Jesus says, come. Come. So Peter put his foot over the boat rail, and then he put another foot over the boat rail, and he walks out on water to Jesus. First of all, you have to understand that Peter's not walking on water; Peter's walking on the promises of Jesus. Y'all understand that? It's water will fail you. <laughs> Water will fail you every time. But the promises of Jesus will never fail you. That's why Peter was able to do something that was completely impossible because he wasn't walking on water. He was walking on the promises of God because God said it. If God said it, you can do it. Some of y'all don't believe that. And until you believe that, you're never going to walk on water. If God said it, you can do it. I don't know what He was, I don't know how He's going to do it. I don't know what this is going to look like. But if God said it, if Jesus said it, uh, listen, I'm not going to freak out about it because He said it, I can do it. If He said you can start a business, He put it on your heart, you can do it. If He said you can write a book, you can do it. If God said it, I don't know what it looks like, I don't know how it's going to do it, I don't know what you're going to do. But if God said it, I can do it. It's physically impossible to walk on water. You can't walk on water. But a mere man didn't call Peter to walk on water. Jesus called Peter to walk on water. Do you all understand that? If you go try to walk on water, you're going to sink. Unless Jesus told you to walk on water. And if you sink, you're going to have doubts. And then you're going to say, oh dear Lord, what's wrong with my faith? Well, the first place is man didn't call you to walk on water. Jesus has to call you to walk on water. There's nothing wrong with your faith. Jesus didn't tell you to walk on water. But if Jesus tells you to walk on water, guess what? You can walk on water and no one can stop you and you better be walking on water. (laughs) Are you all with me? Because whatever God said that I can do, I can do. And if God calls you to do something, whatever it is, God's called you to be a professional athlete. God's called you to be a teacher. God's called you to be a mechanic. God's called you to be this or that or whatever it is. If God said you can do it, God's called you to do it. He's put a passion in your heart to do it. If you can do it. If God's called you to assume whatever it is. If God's called you to step out of the boat, God is going to make a way for you to do it and you're going to be able to stand firm on his promises because you got the shoes of peace on. You got peace about your decision. You got peace about going forward. You got peace about doing what you're doing. You can have peace no matter what you're supposed to do. If you're supposed to take this path and you're supposed to pursue this, no matter what the critics say, no matter what your parents say, no matter what your friends say, you got you stick your shoes of peace in that ground cuz you got spikes in them and nothing can waver you and you stand your ground and you march forward. You walk on water. God could say this afternoon, you know what? He'd pick one of you out. He could put it on your heart. You know what? You're going to be a missionary to China. Some of you are like, I ain't responding to the altar today. And you, you, you could God could put it on your heart to be a missionary to China, and everybody's freaking out. But listen, you walk in peace because God's called you to do it. Therefore, the success is on Jesus, not on you. I have to be obedient, and I have to get out of the boat. The more I trust in God, the more peace that I have. So the question becomes, how can I trust God more? And my answer to you would be, what promises are you standing on? Are you standing on any promises that God has given you? God has spoken to many of you about doing certain things and the adversity has been kept in you, keeping you from doing it. The lies of the devil has creeped in. Ma- maybe doubters have come along your side and they've cast doubt onto your vision that God has given you. Maybe there's some miscommunication about how you're supposed to go about it or something like that. Uh, maybe life just happened and you never got started at all. Maybe the spirit of worry, fear, and doubt come and brought that, well, what if I fail? Uh, you know, So the adversity comes in and and it derails you, whatever it is God is calling you to do. So listen, we don't do it at all. We tiptoe around because we don't have any peace about our decisions. We tiptoe around because we don't have the shoes of peace because we're not standing on any promises therefore we don't trust in God any because we can't have peace. What promises are you standing on? The more promises that you stand on in life the <laughs> The more promises you stand on in life, the better grip that your shoes are going to have. Y'all understand what I'm saying? The more promises you stand on, I mean, those people that's gone through hell and back, those people that's been through the valleys and they've come out on the other side, those people, they've got a lot of spikes in their shoes. The more promises you stand on, the more peace you'll have. If you guys want to come to music or George or just whoever, I don't care whatever's going to happen, let me share some promises with you and then I'm done. I'm going to read these to you. When I feel alone, how many of you have ever felt alone? When I feel alone, I sink my feet into Hebrews thirteen five. God says, never will I leave you or forsake you. So tomorrow morning when I wake up in mo- on Monday morning and and and, the, and this is going to happen, the enemy's going to come whispering in my ear like he does every Monday and he's going to say, hey, you know what, all that stuff you said on Monday, nobody got it. Nobody wants to hear it. It's pointless. God doesn't love you. Hey, that, you know, the, those, those sins that you did, they disqualify you from preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Nobody wants to hear what you have to say. You're not a pastor. And I'll... St- get up and I'll stick my foot down and I'll put my other foot down and i say God will never leave me or forsake me if God brought me to it he'd bring me through it and I can stand strong and I'm not going to get knocked back when the devil comes whispering in my ear whenever I'm feeling sick I've been feeling sick this week been having some things just signing stuff you can ask Amy Amy said, why you keep going to bed so early I go say I'm going to lay down I'm going to pray through this thing I stick my feet down in Psalms 103 and I say, praise the Lord my soul and forget not all your benefit who forgives you all your sins and heals you of all your disease. Take that, devil. It doesn't matter what the doctor said. It doesn't matter. Jesus has already said it and by his stripes we're healed and I can sink my feet into that and have peace. When my finances are falling apart the devil comes and says, hey, you're going to have to declare bankruptcy. Everybody's going to find out about it. Your family's going to be ashamed about it. In fact, you should have not even been given to God. You should not have been tithing. You should have been keeping all that for yourself. And you wouldn't be in this situation right now. You can get up and you can put your sink your feet into Psalms 37, 25. And said, I saw you. I saw young and now I'm old. Yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Or their children begging for bread. I can sink my feet into the promises of God that God did it then, and if God did it then, he'll do it now. I don't know how he's going to do it, but I know he's going to do it again. When I'm feeling overwhelmed, I sink my feet and I stand on 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We are hard pressed on every side, but we're not crushed, perplexed, but not despaired, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. When I feel like I'm an accident, when I feel like I'm a screw up, when I feel like I'm ugly Psalms 139, for God you created me in my innermost being you knit me together in my mother's womb and I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made your works are wonderful and, and, and I know that full well when I'm afraid how many of you have been afraid Psalms 23 even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of the death I will fear no evil because you are with me you are with me and you will always be with me even though in my listen even though even when the time comes and my heartbeat monitor slowly fades away on life I know this promise that to be absent from the body is to be present with the somebody to live for Christ is to die is to gain I can sink my feet into that to live as Christ is to die is to gain when I get anxious get anxious about stuff, worry, Philippians 4 4, 6 not be anxious about anything, but in everything in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Let Him know that you're anxious. Let Him know that you're you're, you're not in the right mind. Let Him know that you're going through some stuff. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and in your mind in Jesus Christ. Those are the promises of God. I pray these promises. I put on these promises every morning. I worship these promises, folks. So no matter what comes at me, I'm going to stand my ground. This, This doesn't make sense to everybody. This doesn't make sense. Sometimes it doesn't even make sense to me how I can have peace in the middle of some of the stuff. But I can have peace because I'm not waiting on the peace of the world to come from the outside in the peace of God is working inside of me and it's working it's way out if I'm waiting for all the stuff on the outside to be good I ain't never going to have peace but when everything's falling apart listen I'm not falling apart and it's because I have the peace that surpasses all understanding but I have to put that thing on every day And no matter what happens, no matter what Satan throws at you, no matter what Satan hurls at you, life and death, betrayal, no matter what, when I put on peace every day, the the peace keeps the lies of Satan out of my ear and it keeps Satan underneath my feet. It's It's time to stop waiting for everything to be right, to have peace. Let's pray. Everybody stand with me. Let's pray.